Well, I'm honored to welcome back the voice of the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks, Jack Michaels. Jack, down there in Arizona right now for North Dakota football, but let's talk a little baseball with you here. Exciting times there in Fargo as the team reaches the championship series for the second year in a row. Well, I recalled you and I, Rob, talking a little bit ago, and you were asking me if, if you were to make the finals, you know, what would have had to happen? And I, I think I recall us talking about a, a, a big, long, quality start, you know, really good starting pitching. And then I think I recall us uh, talking a little bit about, you know, production from all over the lineup, including the, the bottom and, and, and some of those X factors in the game. And I, I think we saw a little bit of that, and we certainly saw it on that, that clincher rob uh, the other night with the Red Hawks in, in Kansas City with, with the rookie Peyton Wigginton went out and just uh, did, uh, did some really good things. He kept the ball in the park. He threw a lot of strikes. He didn't get behind guys. And then his defense made some plays behind him. And then when we talked about production to the lineup and, you know, Correa, that the nine hole hits a two-run home run in the early in the game. And, you know, Evan Alexander gets a big sack fly late. Sam Dexter, you know, collected some big hits down that order, and Alec Olin has just been about as special as you can get. So, you know, that's you know, it's funny how, how those things kind of work out, Rob. It really was an exciting, exciting uh, series where the Red Hawks were backs against the wall in Game Two and Game Three, and end up winning both of them. It just clearly goes to show that Jack Michael's not only a great broadcaster but quite prophetic is what we're learning too. So, <laughs> that was bad. You know, Jack, coming back to the defense part of this, we, we talk so often about that great starting pitching staff and how great this lineup is, but this is the team that finished with the best fielding percentage, and there were two unbelievable plays in the outfield in that contest. I think that's kind of overlooked by the Red Ho- for the Red Hawks. I think it is, and I think it was all year long. You know, I, you, you look at, at, at the, uh, the corner outfielders, and it's changed a little bit. You know, the Red Hawks had, you know, Reimer Liriano out there, but you know, he was injured late, and, and uh, you know, the Red Hawks, you know, you know, inking up Alec Olin, putting him out there. And, of course, John Silviano, his ability, we think of him so much as a guy, too, that, that's going to hit home runs and, and, and all of that. But you forget about his ability to defend and, and also with that big cannon of an arm. And then Kevin Alexander, who tracks balls down, gap-to-gap center fielders. So, yeah, I, I think that the defense has been overlooked tonight. And another thing about that, Rob, is, you know, Red Hawks and, and Kane County, you know, tied for the most double plays this year. Now, Chris Coast would tell you when, you, when you lead the league in turning double plays, it's great, but it also means that, you know, the other team's getting some runners on base. But the Red Hawks have been able to, to turn them in. The Red Hawks turned a double play the other night against Kansas City to help clinch that one. And Peter Maris, his ability to that, that, that swing and gate at second base, that turn he has, is absolutely flawless the way he can get that ball out, avoid being taken out. And, and the Red Hawks had a couple of key double plays. But like you said, I mean, Olin made a catch in left field, threw out a rudder at third in that deciding game in the Western Division playoffs. Silviano made a catch uh, diving in you know, from right field. You know, Christian Correa threw out a base, uh, base runner and also took away a would-be base uh, bunt hit from Darnell Sweeney behind the plate, a ball that looked like it might have rolled foul, but Correa just was decisive, you know, picked it up and threw him out. You know, that that part of the game, it's easy to look at the big home runs and track it down marges and, and big pitchers like McGovern and Grower and Wigginton and Alex Dubord leading the league in saves. 
but defensively is really where it has helped this team well, to where they are right now. You know, Kevin and I were talking last night about the one run that Kansas City got. The play by Correa behind the plate, I mean, he got a, like a no-look flip pass that almost got Hernandez, and it was stunning, the, the kind of the perception, the, the eyes in the back of his head look that he almost made that play. If they would have got that, the last time I saw a move like that, I think Marcus Haynes and Curly Neal were performing it with the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty special. Well, I, I want to ask you, because, you know, Fargo loses the game, first game at home. You're heading down to Kansas City. You know, I, I think everybody on the planet thought, okay, well, the Monarchs are going to wind up advancing on here. That team just showed no quit in them. It just, what do you think came out of this club or just drives this club that they go, you know what, we're just going to go to Kansas City and win two games? Now, if you were in the clubhouse with me before the game, of either game two, now, before Winnipeg, even in the first round, because the Red Hawks were down one game to none in a, you know, in a loser out deal, or even in that down in Kansas City, I think this club has has got enough guys that have been around that know that that they have the barrels that can that can score runs, you know, and and when you've got Manny Boscan and Leopoldo Pena and John Silviano who've just been around, Drew Ward, who have. Uh, Confidence, Correa, you mentioned. Uh, we talked about Christian. These guys have been around a little bit. They've been around the block. So there's never once have I ever felt like this team, even during the course of the season, where maybe they had dropped back-to-back games where we're always lost. It, it's amazing how there wasn't a – there's not that sense of, all right, guys, let's get a let, let's. It's just that sense of they went through the same routines, knowing that, you know, if they can get a quality start, the bats will figure it out. And then – and I don't know what it is. It's something about, I think, guys that have been there and been in those spots before that that never once thought that they were out of it. Talking to those guys, they just they just said, no, Jack, we'll, we'll get some runs. We'll, we'll come back in game two. And if we can do that, we'll find a way. You know, so that, 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 uh, it's, it's a nice way to go through life with that kind of confidence. But I, I think you're right. It, I was like it in Kansas City until the Red Hawks literally got past them. I think they were almost that, that we talked about the old Guapo, the 800-pound gorilla. You know, they played them 10 times in the regular season. Kansas City, the schedule was so odd. Red Hawks played them 10 times, and then seven of those 10 were in KC. You know, so the Red Hawks, and then, of course, the Red Hawks dropped a, you know, swept in a series last year in the championship finals against KC. And, you know, and then they lose game one in the ninth inning on a three-run home run, basically, by J.C. Ascara for KC. So as much as all the confidence, I think game two winning that one, forcing game three, uh, was massive. And uh, that said, okay, we knew we could do it. Then they saw themselves do it. And once they did it, I think there was really no no denying uh, that, that final game. I think if there was any one we'll call it weakness, I guess, at this moment, that, that people could look at and go, well, wow, this is the kind of the Achilles heel of the Red Hawks. It was that bullpen. But, boy, they sure pitched extremely well throughout the series. Take away just one inning in the ninth, and they're absolutely dominant against the Monarchs. Well, and, and it's funny, in the regular season, you know, if you would have said to me, Jack, you know, what you and Kev, what are, they, what are the strengths? And I would have certainly gone through the Wards, Pinas, Boscans, Peter Maris, 
you know, the, the lineup. I would have gone through Kevin McGovern and talked about him. And, you know, but I wasn't sure about the young pitchers. You know, what was Tyler Grauer going to put together this year? Then we found out everything, you know, as a rookie pitch of the year. You know, what Pete Wigginton, who, who's this kid? What's he going to be like? And then he comes out as a rookie and throws up nine wins. The one area that I thought was competent was the bullpen because you could go to, you know, Luke Lind, the big arm of Joe Jones, and then with Alex Dubord at the end, you know, with Brady Stover's situational left-hander and the other pieces you throw in. But I think through the course of the year, you know, maybe some of them got a few few extra games in there that, that could have taxed them, and, and maybe we saw a little bit of that play itself out. And then when the rubber met the road, you know, Alex Dubord comes in in game two of that series and, and uh, throws a six-out save. And then Chris Costo, before game three, talking about what he has available, he says, uh, I got pretty much everybody. Obviously, we won't have Grower, and maybe not Alex because he threw two innings. Well, what happens? Ninth inning comes, I look out there, Dubord's warming up. And uh, he's got a little intestinal fortitude. And that was, that was just big time. That's, yeah, but when the time, time was right, that bullpen certainly came up and, and, and did what it did. And, and uh, yeah, Alex, uh, those guys are gamers, Rob, if you've been around them. They, uh, they, mean, they mean business. They're gamers. And Davis Feldman, I thought, was great out of the pen, too. Uh, you know, a starter that you can use out of the bullpen in the postseason. I thought he was fantastic, too. And Tanner Riley, the young righty from Abilene Christian, I thought in the deciding game, I said, holy cow, we're going to see a rookie from Middle Tennessee State and a rookie from Abilene Christian, Texas, come in here and sew this thing up. But, you know, they got it to the end, and, and Doobie, was, Doobie, was, Doobie was Doobie. He showed what, why he was the saves leader of the year. Well, let's come back to Davis Feldman here for a moment, Jack, because – uh, by the five-game series now, you expect him to make one start in this series. Only one appearance in the last couple of weeks. So do you expect any kind of rust from him, or is he just going to be ready to go out there and give them five or six innings? Well, I said that he is um, – I use the term bulldog a lot. And I would expect that that he is capable of uh, – we're talking about getting outs. And I'm sure that in the best of five, you know, you're right. You bring in, you know, you've got your McGoverns, you've got your Growers, you know, you've got your Wiggintons. And Tyler Grower left game two, upper body, you know, upper body precautionary. So we'll see how that plays itself out. Um, but but Feldy, I mean, I'm sure they'll look at him and say that in the terms of, you know, how many outs can you get us? And they'll, they'll chop that up. And if you can get them 15, that'd be fantastic. So, Again, what, whatever's been asked of, of Davis Feldman, he's been able to do. So, yeah, it's a good question. And, again, you'll have to kind of see what, you know, what, what the story is with, with Tyler Grower. Now, Grower, who was taken out for Koshner the other day, you know, can't go. And I, and I don't know that. Uh, I, I think last time I saw Tyler, he was, after the game, he was fist-pounding and high-fiving and all that. So, you know, if he couldn't go, then, then there's probably a little different look. But, we're expecting Grower to be good and expecting Feldy to get in and, you know, chew up as many as he can. The series will begin in Milwaukee for Saturday and Sunday. Then you guys return home for, for game three, and if necessary, we'll have a four and five there. You know, it's been a long while since the team's had a, a championship there in Fargo, but obviously an opportunity to clinch at home. And, 
And uh, so, you know, what's the kind of the excitement around Fargo and the feeling about this team and their opportunity to win a title right there on at uh, Newman Outdoor Field? Well, to be honest with you, and I think they're the diehard fans. And I think when the when Kansas City won that game five to two in the in the ninth inning, the way they did it, it not only felt like a, a, a gut punch, but it felt like it sucked so much of the life out of the club from a fan's perspective. Now that I don't know how many people would have banked on the Red Hawks coming back to play a game at Newman this year. I think I think you were looking to you know close out this and empty the fridges and bat down the hatches and all that kind of stuff. So. I think I, I think the fans are going to be thrilled about that, and uh, you know, for them coming back, you know, if, if they can get a, if they can find a way to get one in Milwaukee, yeah, that would be so big to set yourself up to maybe find a way to get two out of three at home. So, yeah, the fans are excited, and you're right, you know, five five independent championships, but all of the former Northern League, you know, never never having won one in the American Association. Now it's been over a decade in the league. And despite the success with 60-plus win seasons in the last several years, um, oh, the ability to, to raise a flag, I'll tell you, I, I think the place would go nuts, you know, for Chris Coast and Anthony Renz. And Kevin McGovern's sole goal was to bring a title to Fargo-Moorhead in the American Association like he did in Winnipeg. I mean, that, that's it. I mean, that's what Gov wants to do. So, yeah, to say that it would be, it would be large and accomplishing and rewarding and, you know, finally the, all those feelings. Oh yeah. Yeah. Rob, it would, it would be all bottled into one big old victory celebration bottle of champagne. Yeah. You know, I got to say, Jack, with the fact that you guys are four and oh, in elimination games, I, I think you might be better off if you lost both games in Milwaukee. It seems to be the way <laughs> to get the team going. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I seem to be saying every day, you know, anything, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Why not go through it the hard way, right? <laughs> that seems to be the way it's working for him here. Now, this Milwaukee team, they're all of a sudden getting exceptional starting pitching out there. Um, the bullpen has been very good for them. Lineup is struggling a little bit. So what are some keys that you look at for the Red Hawks in this series? Yeah, it's funny. I look at it and... And any Milwaukee series who obviously showed their worth in the postseason, but everything seemed to be 3-1, 2-1, you know, 3-2, you know, not a lot of runs, but as you mentioned, great pitching. And, you know, Shugel and what we saw from Ryan Zimmerman the other day, you know, had a dozen strikeouts and what, five and two-thirds innings. Uh, but then I looked down and, you know, the guys like Miguel Gomez who cracked a couple of home runs, obviously they can swing a little bit. You know, Brian Torres, you know, think about what we're going to have in this championship series. The, the combined hits this year for Brian Torres and, and Leobaldo Pena. You want to talk about two guys that were, that were swinging it. You know, Kenger can get hot a little bit. You know, so they've got some, they've got some guys. But, if, if I mean, think about what you just said. You know, if, if Milwaukee hasn't quite scored it um, well this year, they, they can pitch it. So, you know, to me, that lends itself to Fargo-Moorhead getting, you know, quality starts themselves and letting those bats figure out a team that they haven't seen in a while, you know. So you got to do a quick study and uh, and find a way to score against arms that you haven't seen. So that key is pretty simple for me. That is uh, quality starting and again and, and just, uh, you know, Milwaukee's different because in Franklin that ball scoots off that carpet, you know, tends to jump around there. You know, we'll see how a lot of guys that, that maybe haven't, 
played there. The Red Hawks do have a couple guys that they signed that, that you know, and maybe haven't experienced uh, Milwaukee in, in this lineup. So, you know, let's see how that plays out. I, 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 I like Parker Moore's chances because of, uh, because of their ability to put runs on the board. The problem is Red Hawks also hit into, what, seven double plays in the last two games against Kansas City. They, uh, they've left a few guys stranded. They've had second and third, one out, didn't score. First and third, one out, didn't score. Leadoff double, didn't score. You know, so there's that. There's that, too. Let's hope that doesn't happen, Rob. You know, you're bringing up a really interesting point there, Jack, about these clubs have not faced each other in three months, over three months now. And lack of, of familiarity, or, or does that impact the series, do you think, in any way, or it doesn't matter at this time of the year? I think it um I think individually when you haven't seen an arm, it impacts it. And you have to do that quick test. You know, the Red Hawks faced Matt Hall in game one on uh, uh, last Monday night. And having not seen Matt Hall, well, first of all, I don't care if you've seen Matt Hall seven consecutive times, uh, you're not going to fare well. But when you haven't seen him for a while, it, it's not much tougher. And the Red Hawks, they didn't figure it all out, but they did knock him out eventually. You know, and, and had, a, had a slim lead in, in doing so. Now, granted, one of the runs unearned. So, yeah, I think there's a big component of that. I think, it, I think it, it, it's an advantage to the pitcher. I think it's an advantage to them. And, and you know, I think the hitters are going to be behind the eight ball a little bit before we start seeing some run production. So I, I would not imagine uh, that, that we're probably going to see these first games, maybe first two, be – you know, slow starts, close to the best, um, kind of low scoring, and then maybe that middle innings, those fourth, fifth, sixth innings, you know, we'll see which, which lineup figures it out. That uh, I would not be shocked if that were the case. What do you think is different or, or this team has learned in comparison from last year in the championship series to this year, starting with Chris Coast and then the team in general, do you think? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, well, I mean, it's it's a year later. I mean, there's a, there's a different blend. This year, a little bit different blend. Um, you still got Manny. You know, you have Leo. They're a year older. Yeah, they're, they're hungrier. Um, Drew Ward, back with the team. You know, was with them a couple of years ago. That's a, that's a new thing. Sam Dexter. You know, with a new guy at the middle to work with, Peter Maris, that, that's a combo that's been great. Um, Evan Alexander, new in center field, you know, Sylvie back. I, I think what they've learned is, is probably, even though they probably knew, you know, the process in which it takes, you know, to finish, finish it all. You know, they watched Kansas City celebrate last year, and you almost felt like the Red Hawks just kind of ran out of a little bit of gas. Ran out of the proverbial gas, and KC had had all the momentum. Their tank seemed full, and I think when you see that, and and this year, even though these guys, Chris Ghost couldn't, uh, you know, if he tried to give a guy a rest day, they would be in his office, you know, pleading not to give him a rest day. You know, I think this team is is built durable, and uh, they've suffered some nicks here and there, but I think that's, if anything, I think they've just found a way in preparation and process uh, to, to go the distance. And, and uh, if there's anything, I, you know, is Chris Coast different? You know, he's relied on Anthony Renz a lot this year. 
with what Kosher's been going through, and I'm just a huge fan of Chris. And you know, without you know feeling 100 percent with the pain that he goes through in his back and feet, and you know, it's been so awesome to see that. I think if anything, they've they've learned to trust each other uh, even that much more. Chris and Anthony Rands and Kevin McGovern and Robbie Lopez, the bullpen coach. So I I don't know, Rob. I I think it's a it's a year of being close and not having it and understanding a little bit more genuinely and thoroughly what it, what it's going to take. And then just applying that mentality and, and putting it all together. But I tell you, I, I, I've been, you know, been doing this a long time, Parkmore and Red Hawks, and there's been a lot of connected teams, you know, 98 to me was really connected, even though they, they added Ozzie Canseco late, but this, I don't think I've seen a team more connected. And, and more of a group than this Red Hawks team. And that, that spans a lot of different Red Hawks teams. Well, Jack, let's send you out here uh, a, four or five days from now when the uh, Fargo-Moorhead Red Hawks are holding the Miles Wolf Championship trophy above their heads. What happened to make that occur? What happened to make that occur was uh, the stars were stars. The defense was phenomenal. And the starting pitching uh, had it, it got into five or six innings. Now I've left out the bullpen there, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say that. But uh, I, I think the bullpen is huge because I think Milwaukee and Fargo it's going to come down probably to battle of bullpens again. But I, to that degree, um, how about John Silviano, man? I, I think we're going to see some stars be stars. Before I told you that it was the X-Factors, the guys at the bottom, and you're going to need that, that helped him get through Kansas City, made some, he hit some big hits, big plays. I think this one, Rob, I think this one, we're going to, I'm going to be talking to you about, you know, Maris's, Boscan's at the top, Drew Ward, you know, big blasts, you know, John Silviano just tearing the face off the ball, <laughs> you know, Leo Pena. I think we're going to see these guys, take it to another level and, and the, hopefully the bottom half of the lineup gets on base because I just feel like the, uh, uh, the boys that have been knocking the home runs and doubles out all year. I think we're talking about them stepping up here and, and taking the team through. So that's my, that's my gut today, but you know, that's my feel. I'm having a salad with two cheeses as I talk to you right now. That could be just the cheese. <laughs> that's fantastic. Jack, Jack, thanks for joining me. Rob, as always, I appreciate it. And uh, go Red Hawks. I'm hoping for just a really fun uh, Miles Wolf Cup Finals. Thanks, Rob.